everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Karen Hurt, who is the CEO of Let's Grow Leaders. She was also recognized by Inc. Magazine as a top 100 leadership speaker. She's the author of a few books with a new one coming out this year. So thanks so much for joining us today, Karen. Oh, thanks so much for having me. So it's a broad question, but I really want to start by asking what originally got you so interested in the topic of leadership and leadership development? You know, it's, it's funny because I've been, I think I was one of these people that was born yearning to lead. You know, my mother would say that I would try to lead my stuffed animals, you know, when I was a toddler. So I think I've always been very interested in that. I had spent time in college studying leadership and organizational development. Um, I did some uh, graduate work. I worked on a PhD for a while. That, But then what I will say was really interesting. I had a conversation with a professor at the University of Maryland where I was uh, thinking I was going to get a PhD. And he said to me, Karen, it strikes me that you are not so much as interested in studying leadership as being a leader. Hmm. And he's like, so why are you here? Why do you want this PhD? And he was absolutely right. He said, how about I introduce you to someone who could really get you doing this work? And he introduced me to a woman at, at Bell Atlantic. And it was that was such a pivotal moment because he was absolutely right. I really wasn't cut out to be an academic. Uh, I was cut out to lead large organizations. So uh, I had I spent my first decade at what became Verizon in human resources, leadership development, organizational development, training roles, a bunch of merger integration stuff. Then the second decade happened after this happened. So then I had. A, I was working through some merger integration uh, project with a senior vice president of customer service. And he said, so Karen, it strikes me that you are spending a lot of time teaching people how to lead. What I think you really need to do is go lead some large teams. Because even though I was an HR director, you know, my team was 30 people. And I said, well, who's going to let me do that if I don't have experience in any particular function? He said, I am. And so I went out and I led several large call centers and that became, I then became an operational leader. So I led call centers, then I led a 2,200 person sales organization and then a 10,000 person, um, our outsourced call center function. So that, I love just doing that, right? Like how do you help people and not just individuals, but whole organizations really what we say in our book, Winning Well, is how do you get results that last without losing your soul? You know, how do you show up and get really breakthrough results and stay a decent human being along the way? So that's been a bit of my journey. Um, I spent, uh, as I was doing my last role there, I was working with all of our outsourced call center partners. And that's when I really started paying attention to sort of the meta of all the leadership work that I was doing because I was finding that in these other companies, there had not been a lot of leadership training. So I was trying to help simplify frontline leadership skills for people to make it really easy, really practical to apply. And as I was doing that, I started writing a blog and the blog took off, got an international following. I never thought I was going to leave Verizon. 
But then all these opportunities started to emerge. And I thought, wow, this could be a really fun thing to do for a living. And that's when I started Let's Grow Leaders. Okay, so I definitely want to get back to the Verizon transition at, at some point. But one of the things that caught my eye on your website, Let's Grow Leaders, there's a quote that says, leaders have to make hard choices about where to put their time. And I think that really embodies a lot of the struggle that we all have with leadership. So it's a two-part question. How do you personally embody that? But then more broadly, how do we, and maybe our listeners, how do we better prioritize where to spend our time so we can all get better at that critical skill? Yeah, so, you know, we call that infinite need, finite me, right? So in any given day, you have so many choices of where you could spend your time. And so we, in the work that we do with our clients, we really help them focus on what we call the most important thing, the MIT. And, you know, what are not only the most strategic priorities that you need to be focused on, but how do you then identify the particular behaviors that are going to have the biggest impact? And so I'll just give you an example for our company of how that works. So one of the, a couple of years ago, as we had laid out our vision, you know, we said we didn't, don't just want to be serving America. We really want to be an international company that is, you know, helping people get results and stay a decent human being internationally. And most of our work was domestic at that point. And so every day we're going in, we're working on strategy. Finally, it just hit me. I'm like, how, this is going to be one of my most important things to become international and known internationally. What specifically am I doing every single day to make that happen? And I, you know, I had to be honest with myself. I did not have a deliberate plan of my daily behaviors to make that happen. And so that's when I'm like, okay, so let's write down what are the behaviors that I need to do? I need to be reaching out to my international leadership friends and, uh, you know, and building these relationships strategically. I need to be, um, be sensitive to the way we're writing. I need to be proactively um, reaching out to international conferences. And you know, by focusing on the most important behaviors, we were really able to shift. And now we, we have do a lot of work we spent uh, um, a month in Southeast Asia, we've been in England, we've been in Ireland, but that didn't happen by accident. That happened by saying part of my day, every day needs to be focused on the behaviors that will make that happen. So we have a, a decent chunk of listeners who are, I would probably say, from more large organizations, and then another chunk that's kind of from small to mid-sized organizations. You've now had the pleasure of working in both types of environment. Does any of those time management or productivity skills or focusing on the most important thing, does that deviate um, given the size or the scope of the organization? Or what do you wish you had known differently or before you made the leap from Verizon to Let's Grow Leaders? You know, I think the, the interesting thing is when you are working in a large organization, one of the hardest things you have to do is not let other people's MITs become your MITs, right? So you're getting pulled in so many different directions. Um, you know, you have to look at these conference calls and you keep getting invited to all these calls. And, you, you know, you really need to say, is this the very best use of my time? And if you are running the call, and if it's not, then you need to be having the conversation. How can I be helpful here without sitting through this entire hour? You know, um, because 
otherwise, you know, things just pop onto your calendar. And if you're not careful, you spend all your time focusing on something that is not going to get you the results that you need for your performance agreement. Um, I would say as a smaller, as an entrepreneur, you know, you have a lot more flexibility on how you spend your time. And therefore, you really need to understand your strategy and your discipline of because you've got to be doing the behaviors every day because nobody is setting the agenda for you. You are the one that has to figure that out. And to make sure that the work that you're prioritizing is strategic. Uh, because it's e there's lots to do. And when you're an entrepreneur, it's easy to be busy, but not necessarily moving, you know, I, you know, I could spend my whole day, you know, doing di different activities, but are those the things that are really going to drive value for our clients and also drive value for our business? And I think that's one of the most you know, things that I've had to really think about, like, because you can't do everything and every opportunity, you can't do every podcast interview, you can't do every, write every guest article that people ask you to do because they're coming in, you know, hundreds at a time. So you have to say, okay, what, how am I going to spend my time and why am I choosing to think, do the things that I would, I am doing? I, I do think that there is a lesson for, you know, I, I would say this a lot with our, our clients is you need to think like an entrepreneur in your, even if you're in a big corporation, you know, it's one of the things, for example, I'm very sensitive to right now is when I hold a meeting, I have a lot of contractors that work for me. So I actually calculate how much did that meeting cost me, hmm. right? Like if I've got, I've got my publicist on there and the graphic designer and the project manager, not, not to mention my time at David's time, how much time did I actually pay out by the hour for that meeting? And it really makes you think about, do all those people need to be in that meeting, right? Or is there a more efficient way to catch somebody up? And I don't think we do that as much at, in the bigger companies. And so if you say, how much did it cost, would it cost if I was paying everybody's salary to be in this meeting? And you thought about that strategically, you may think, oh, you know what? We need these four people for this first part of the meeting. And then after that, it's just two of us that need to spend the rest of the time. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think I, I want to dive in a little bit deeper there. And I think it might even be a great segue into the new book that you have coming out this year, which is entitled Courageous Cultures. And Daniel Pink, I saw he wrote about the book and he said, silence isn't always golden. Effective organizations need people to speak up. And he thought that your book was a guide to building a workplace environment that values outspokenness. And so why is outspokenness so important? Yeah, I think now more than ever, right? We are in a really fast paced environment where everything is changing really fast and people are looking to do the best they can with what they have from where they are. And your team has ideas and you really want to be able to tap into that. And so we, we partnered uh, with the University of North Colorado on some fairly extensive research because we were noticing that as we were working at the senior levels of organizations, we, people would say, hey, why don't my people speak up? Why am I the ones who finds this best practice? Why isn't somebody just sharing them with one another? And then we would be working at the front line of the organization and people would say, nobody ever wants to hear my ideas. Nothing ever happens. 
if I speak up, why bother? Or the last time I spoke up, I got in trouble. And so employees have ideas and leaders want to hear them. And yet somehow there was a disconnect. So that's the research that really grounds our, our book. And so how do you tap into the very best ideas of every person and create the psychological safety to make that happen? And um, Dr. Amy Edmondson of Harvard wrote our foreword, and she wrote a book called The Fearless Organization that talks about how do you make things safe. And our work is really complementary to that because once you have created that psychological safety, you still have to be very deliberate in going out and asking people for their ideas. Because if you're waiting for somebody to walk through your open door, that still takes energy and courage. And so that's really what the book is all about is, is how do leaders go out and deliberately ask? And then how do they, what we call respond with regard to those ideas that are coming up in, and then helping people to implement those ideas. For those of us who lead maybe multiple small teams or just one small team, is this something that should be happening on a reoccurring, somewhat repetitive basis? Is this better suited for that you know, quarterly all-hands meeting or, or something that comes up where the specific focus is on sharing these big picture ideas? Or should this be more of an ad hoc thing that happens on a weekly basis without a pre-scheduled time for this type of discussion? If you wait for your company offsite or quarterly meeting to start ask, creating psychological safety and asking people what they think, you're not going to have the breakthroughs in those meetings. You know, I'm all for um, running strategic offsites and do that for a living, <laughs> right? And we do a lot of big events for folks. But if you really want your people's best thinking, you need to, first of all, be very clear that you want their ideas and that you want them from the minute they walk in the door through new hire orientation. You want their ideas every time you're having a one-on-one. -on -one. You know, it's real clarity around there. And also clarity about where you need the best ideas. Part of the reason that people, I think, struggle with not being viewed as strategic is that they don't have enough information about where the, the big picture of the company is headed to even know what kinds of ideas are most important. So for example, right now, you know, your, your man, managers should probably be asking, you know, what are your very best ideas to be more productive as you're working from home? You know, that's a very specific question. What do you think we could do? Or another thing you could say is to be, you know, hey, what are our policies that really suck? You know, so you're, you're assuming in, in that kind of a question, you're assuming that we're doing something that's ticking off our customers. So what are those things? And so I would say this is very, this clarity, creating clarity and then showing up really curious. You want that in your, built into your DNA of your courageous culture. One thing that I'm always curious to ask people who maybe left a larger organization to, to start something on their own or to join a smaller organization where they just inevitably had to wear more hats to get things done, how do you personally think about approaching risks? How do you do a level of risk assessment before you decide to jump in a different direction? I know you mentioned briefly talking about international expansion, but just by its very nature, you've had to take a lot of risks in your career. How do you think about risk-taking? 
So, you know, how, how do you take risks in as your trans to decide whether to do something different or what exactly are you asking there? I think when you're deciding you have a limited amount of time um, during your day and you're writing books and you're thinking about promoting the book, you're also doing your speaking and your different sessions. Some of the new endeavors that you might want to embark on um, have a risk component to them. How do you the pros and cons of going in a certain direction? Yeah, so I would say, is it aligned with your mission? You know, what is what is the overall goal? And, um, and then from there, you know, one of the things I really do to assess risk is, you know, you, you don't, I'm a big believer in pilot, you know, have a pilot. Do you want to go, do you go all in or do you say, we're going to try this here and we're going to have the patience to, to really test this well, to make sure it works. So for example, you know, we did a massive pivot to move a lot of things live online, started a lot of new technology all at once. Well, you know, let's test that with one program first and then iterate, you know, as opposed to scheduling five, you know, right in a row without a chance to um, fine tune and use the sandpaper. So I would say that's the, the one thing. And then, you know, partly is really making smart financial choices. Um, when COVID hit for us, we literally took our business strategy and our business plan and all of the budget we had scheduled for it. And then we built scenarios. Like we said, okay, if the revenue goes, if, if every keynote gets canceled, let's assume every keynote is going to get canceled. What happens here? What are our choices if that happens? Okay, let's assume 50% are going to pivot to live online. 50% um, are going to postpone or cancel. What are our strategic choices there? And as we did that, it's been really helpful because we thought through that in a, you're not making the decisions on a day-to-day -day basis. You're think, you, you take a step back and you thought through the what ifs. And um, you know, as, the, as our business rebounded, which was, thank goodness, uh, with all the live online, now I've, we were like, okay, yes, we can add back in our PR. We can add back in these things, but we thought about it and we knew the order that we would do that. So it's all very deliberate. Well, the whole testing iteration and then kind of deliberate, the put it into practice and see what happens, I think resonates with me and it definitely resonates with our listeners as well. Before we shift to our final two rapid fire questions, I wanted to ask you about winning wells. And this is focused on providing clean water throughout Southeast Asia. Can you talk a little bit more about your philanthropic uh, efforts? Yeah, so uh, we, uh, it was funny, so our, our first book was called Winning Well, and uh, we were in this, uh, we met a group called Together We Can Change the World, and they were talking about the work that they do in Southeast Asia, and do a variety of things, and one of the things they do is do wells, and I heard that, I'm like, wells? Winning wells? <laughs> we should build clean water wells in honor of all of our clients. So if we do a keynote for you or a leadership development program, we will then donate a clean water well with your name on it in Cambodia. And um, we're close to 100 wells. I'm not sure the exact count, very, coming up on 100. Um, I will tell you the work that the, these wells do, it's the impact it can have. You know, so you, you, and we had a chance to visit these wells when we were over there speaking. 
And we actually literally took an oxen cart to get into these communities. That's how rural they are. And people you know, have, don't have a lot, but if they can get clean water, then you can see the downstream effects. So if you can cl get clean water, not only you're not going to be sick, but now you can plant a lemon tree. And then you can, if you can plant a lemon tree, you can sell the lemons. And then when you sell the lemons, you can start to buy chickens. And if you have chickens, then you can sell the eggs. And this one um, family was telling us through an interpreter how they it just complete, they were able to double the size of their hut because of this well, the downstream effect of the well. So we feel very, very passionate about um, continuing that work there. Um, seeing that in person, it was one of the real, um, it, it really opened my eyes um, to, the, to the needs that our people struggle with that you know, we can't imagine here. Well, that is a wonderful and inspiring spot to end the conversation and shift to our final two questions that we ask all of our guests. And the first one is, if you could describe your leadership style in one word, what would that word be? Gung-ho. And the final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Your prioritized peers. Gung-ho and prioritize peers. Thank you so much for joining us today, Karen. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Yeah, so our website is letsgrowleaders.com and we'd love to have you come check out. Uh, subscribe to our blog. We provide uh, lots and lots of ways to learn about leadership through very practical tools every week. Well, thank you for all the great insight and thank you to all our great listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share this show or any of our shows with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer. You can find our show on Instagram at Learn to Lead Podcast. And you can find our organization Ability, that is A-B-I-L-I-T-I-E at Ability.com. Be sure to subscribe so that you get our next episode. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast.